0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast that applies towards the NBA. What's up, everybody? Faces. It's Master, this is from the NBA Pacers. you to the Paceroos Podcast. in the at Still, last time we came to you was after that big win against Milwaukee, uh, and we got past Giannis despite 54 points from the former MVP and NBA champion. Uh, this week, it was going up against another MVP in Joel Embiid twice. Uh, And we said, Alex, last show, we said, if we can go one-on-one against Philadelphia, then that would be a win for the franchise. Both games in Philadelphia, playing the same team twice in the same week. A team that at that stage was eight and one or seven and one. Now they're eight and two. Uh, You'd have to be happy with the performance of the Pacers this week to be able to come away with one victory in Philly.
1: The other thing is, I they talked about this a little bit post game, but I think this is the closest to playoff atmosphere that these young guys will get. So, you know, for Halliburton, who's never played there, Matherin, like for Nemhard, Isaiah, Jalen, getting these minutes on the road in one of the toughest buildings is, uh, is going to be huge for them. And yeah, I, I said on the last episode, if we could split, would be in good setting. And look, they had chances to win both, right? Like you go back to that first game, they had a one point lead and. Ended up giving about 30 offensive rebounds to Philly after that. But uh, that's the reason that the second one was so impressive was because they uh, made the adjustments. They crashed the boards more. And uh, what did Maxie have? Like, he had a quiet 50 in the first Quiet game. 50, yeah. So they, were, they yep. were able to shut him down a little bit in the second one as well. So, so seeing those adjustments was huge. And then, I mean, I'll let you talk about him, but we could have a whole episode about Tyrese Halliburton because it's getting ridiculous, man. He, he's... He's better than I was high on him when we traded for him, but he's white. he is better than I expected him to be at this point.
0: I, I, I don't think anyone knew that this was coming. I mean, I remember last the start of last season, I predicted that he would make an all-star team and I was really strong on that, but this is all NBA level right now. This yes. is entering close to the MVP conversation early in the season. Now it is still early in the season, but he has 58 points, 32 assists, and zero turnovers over these past two games against Philadelphia. That is insane. That, that is just unparalleled. That's
1: NBA history as well. Yeah. 30, most turnovers in a two-game stretch. Oh, most assists, sorry. In a two-game stretch without a turnover.
0: Unbelievable. And, you know, he's, he's fully capable of putting up the assist numbers. We knew that he shared the ball. We knew that he was a great passer. And it's the scoring for me. Alex, that that's the thing that stands out. It's not just the points totals, but it's when the points are coming. Even if Tyrese is quiet and gets his teammates involved for the first half, he comes out in the second half and and he's shooting the lights out from behind the arc. He was always a strong shooter. He was always able to get high percentages, but I mean, Now he's jacking up like 12 threes in this win against the Sixers. This is the volume of shooting that we need from our best player. 18 field goal attempts, 12 of them from behind the arc, getting to the line five times in the game. 33 points, 7 rebounds, 15 assists, no turnovers. It's essentially the perfect point guard game. And Tyrese is churning out these perfect point guard games time and time and time again this season.
1: Yeah, and that was really the biggest thing coming from Sacramento and in college was everyone knew he could pass, but no one really knew how good of a score he was going to be, or he would have games where he would only shoot, you know, four or five times a night. So um, that the leap he's made in in that regard in the last you know 18 to 24 months is, is massive for this franchise. And yeah, you kind of alluded to it there. It's he wants the ball in the last two minutes of the game. He we to kind take of saw over. this with, with Oladipo, yeah. W- again, we, we kind of saw this with Vic in, you know, when when he became a pacer, that was the trust you had that you thought you could win every close game. I feel that way and then some with Tyrese. Every time we're in, you know, a situation where we're down by three or we're up by three and we need a dagger, get it to Tyrese and he's not only going to take the shot but he's most likely going to hit it. He took over the Cavs game, hit the go ahead bu- uh, shot against the Bucs the the dagger against 76 ers I know he had that that turnover we won't talk about against the hornets yeah, of course but most of these clutch situations he's uh he is taking them over
0: you know we I've spoken at length over the last couple of seasons about how you need multiple all-stars to to be in contention for a championship well most teams have an MVB MVP caliber player at the helm and then another all-star now I kind of expected Tyrese to be that second guy and that the Pacers would need to find that, you know, all MV, all NBA level guy, or alternatively that they would have two really, really strong all-stars, neither of which were in sort of the top five of MVP, MVP voting, but um, were strong enough to contend. Tyrese has now propelled himself into the stratosphere to where you could trade for a Pascal Siakam and all of a sudden you have the makings of a contender in the East. Or you could trade for a guy that's made a couple of all-star teams and you're, you're suddenly as potent, as dangerous as the very best teams in the conference at their best because he's playing so well. The ceiling of this team is the thing that improves. Obviously, the floor comes up. With Tyrese now playing at this level, then you're a 500 team at the very least. But if you add another piece, then you can get into, you know, 50-55 win territory and even potentially above that, depending on how your team is built. Um, I want to talk to you about a couple of guys, one that plays for the Pacers and one that used to play for the Pacers and a lot of what I'm seeing in social media this week. but. I want to start by giving you flowers. Obi Toppin's had a really nice week against Philly. You've been on the Obi train since the get-go. He was fantastic as well in that second game, particularly 27 points. But even in that first game, he scored in double digits. And, you know, he's getting uh, a little bit more time to develop now. And it was always going to take a little bit of time for him to find his footing.
1: Yeah, for me, it was actually that San Antonio game. He had 19 in three quarters, and I thought he actually defended Wemby about as well as somebody who's six eight, six nine could. And then um, a couple of quiet ones, but yeah, the the first Philly game he had 14 on efficient shooting, and then he's easily best game as a pacer, 27 points, uh, barely missed a shot, had rebounds, and for me it's the timing on the cuts in particular. Like you could yeah. kind of see him figuring out in real time whether it's Tyrese, whether it was McConnell. Or Nemhard or whoever whoever the guard was. Uh, he he's timing the baseline cuts so much better now. He knows when to crash. He knows when to be in that dunker spot. And uh, I don't know if we've had a player like him who just makes dunks look effortless. I don't know if you that first one he had where Tyrese hit him with a no look in the first quarter. I don't know if you saw this one, but he he leaped from you know almost outside the paint. And he just makes it look easy.
0: It's ridiculous. Uh, we,
1: we he's an effortless athlete. He switches hands midair. Loves those lefty layups. So yeah, for me the confidence is rising, and it was it was awesome to see because we we kind of talked about him on the last episode. Yeah, getting off to a, a slowish start, but yeah, you, you, we talked about Mather and having those two big games. Well now Obi's had a couple of big games, and the beauty of this team is, in the starting five at least, you might have, you know, Tyrese is going to get he's right, but you might have Miles go off one night. Mathering off one night, Bruce, whoever it is. So, yeah, that, that that's such a luxury to have five guys and then Smith, Jalen, those type of players who can have a big game on uh, any given occasion.
0: It's what that depth gives you. I mean, for Obi, he's averaging 11 points a game, 61% from the field because obviously most of his shots taken at the rim, 82% from the line. So if you foul him, then he's going to make you pay as well, which is really important um, for a player that plays like he does. I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, 3.3 rebounds. I'm going to have to see that get up towards the you know five and a half six mark before um, I'm convinced that he is the long-term answer at power forward. He's really got to get those rebounding numbers up, particularly given the news that, that we got over the last couple of days. Uh, Jalen Smith left the Sixers game after a head knock. He was taken to a hospital for assessment, So he has a head injury. He will be out for a period of time. We're not sure whether it's one game or more, uh, but in the absence of Sticks, who has been playing just a fantastic role for this ball club, um, players are going to have to step up in the rebounding stakes. Because We spoke last episode about how important that rebounding was from Jalen Smith. Now Isaiah Jackson has to rebound more. Obi Toppin has to rebound more. Aaron Neesmith has to be strong on the boards. We're going to have to see more from the role players to make sure that the rebounding battle is as close as it can be. We know that we're not a great rebounding team. I don't think this team's ever going to be one of the best rebounding teams in the league, but you're going to have to see rebounding across the board in the absence of Smith because he gave you so much on that end.
1: That's why those two games from Matherin where he had, I think it was nine against the Jazz, and then he had... Uh, 11 against the box, And to me, you know, th- that's huge for this team, whether it's Bruce or, or Mather, and you're having those guys on the wing that can go grab a board w- when your big men are, are struggling or when, you're, when your team's giving up a lot of O boards. So, yeah, you like you said, they'll be massive and it's going to be a big test for Isaiah. I thought he actually played pretty well uh, this last game against Philly, but with Jalen out, with Tyson in- how getting sent to the Clippers uh, in a buyout. So RIP to the uh, Daniel Tice era in Indiana. Um, yeah, it's going to be a huge week, probably, I would say, for for Isaiah Jackson.
0: Let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, we, we spoke last episode about how the Clippers just kind of had no cash available to and no contracts to be able to trade for Daniel Tice. So this seemed like a good outcome for all parties. Tice was not getting any run at all on this team, Uh, so he was unable to get what he wanted to get. Uh, The team weren't able to showcase him because he wasn't playing the same way that the team were playing, so that made it very difficult as well. So to that end, it's kind of the right outcome for the player, the right outcome for the franchise, um, and makes the pathway forward a little bit more clear around what the rotation should or shouldn't look like. Also opens up a roster spot, which is really interesting. I'm interested in your thoughts as to where that roster spot could go? Could it go to one of the two-way guys, or is it a veteran spot like James Johnson coming back in uh, to be able to provide even greater culture on the bench with a guy who doesn't need to play at all, but is still, you know, familiar with the players on this ball club and is able to gel immediately?
1: Yeah, I think the latter is more likely just given the fact that there's no real rush with the young guys. Um, I know Big O, I don't know if you saw this, but what do they have, like 30 and 20 rebounds, including... 30 and 23,
0: and then another 2020 20 game. Yeah. It's ridiculous.
1: But, but again, is there any rush to convert him? Because I think two-way guys can play more games now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, whether it's James Johnson, George Hill is another guy. And I don't know if you saw this either, but TJ Warren was liking some pace's Twitter tweets <laughs> today. So, don't tease uh, couple, me, TJ. There's a couple. And hey, another guy, you know, shout out to Justin's guy, Edmund Sumner, who's a free agent. There's a there's a couple of former paces who we might need to reel in again. But let's be honest, like the, the it's the fifteenth spot. Whoever gets it's probably not gonna play. Uh and I think Sumner's an NBA player who deserves minutes, but it'll be it'll be interesting. But yeah, I think it'll most likely be a vet. But Boy, do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I would like to see them bring in a vet. I think you're right. I think the two way guys, there's no rush to bring them in. I think You've got to keep the vibes up of this team and bringing in a guy that they're really familiar with and comfortable with, like James Johnson, just makes a ton of sense. Um, having a guy on your bench that can be bring a little toughness and you know come into the game if you absolutely need him to, if it's getting a little chippy against a Draymond Green. Um, I'm always a fan of having a dark alley guy. Why'd you say that bench. name?
1: Why'd you say Draymond? Anything happened recently?
0: Or- um, Yeah, he got uh, Rudy Gobert in a headlock. So, <sighs> I look, I can we just talk about that for a second? Because I'm sorry, if you're Carl anthony Towns and uh, Draymond Green has Rudy Gobert in a headlock, then don't you immediately put Draymond Green in a headlock? Like don't you just start like the headlock chain at that point? Because
1: that was the wasn't that like two minutes into the game as well? I don't think yeah. anyone had scored.
0: Yeah. I I don't really get it. I, I feel like if your friend was in a headlock, then you would do something to make the headlock be broken. Um
1: Well, I don't know. Ben Simmons had Towns in a headlock like three years ago. Yeah. That?
0: Yeah, that was like a sleeper hold sort of uh so that he even had him on the ground. It's like a bulldog hmm. choke. It was yeah, it was weird. Um Anthony Towns just has a tendency to be involved in these sorts of situations, either directly or in the periphery, which is weird because he's like the least passionate NBA player ever. Um, He's he's so unmotivated. Um, Yeah, I I would like to see that dark alley guy on the end of the bench because I feel like you always need those guys uh, on your squad to be able to remind them that they're not going to be pushed around. Now, this team isn't really scared of anyone because they feel like they can score more points than anyone else in the league. And that's because so far they've been able to do that. Um, but a little different dimension at the end of the bench, getting no minutes, but just providing some vibes. I'm a fan of that. It's a low risk sort of uh, sort of move for me. And I think everyone really appreciated what uh, James Johnson brought to the locker room last season. So for me, it's a bit of a layup. Uh, I think you just sign that guy and, uh, and bring him in. Let's talk about another guy that seemingly every second Paces Twitter account I've uh, been looking at, listening to, um, recommended has been posting about Paul George lately, and there have been a lot of uh, a lot of jokes. the The overworked Twitter joke of the week, to use a um, a different podcast trope was uh, posting a picture of PG in an old Pacers jersey and talking about how good you were at jersey swaps. So, I, I look, I had a Paul George jersey. I went to several Paul George, Paul George games. He was my guy from his rookie year. I was on the hype train. I was so excited to see him come up through the league. I followed his career as closely as anyone. I was devastated when he left the franchise uh I just don't think paying a guy that's over thirty and is whose body is brittle over you know f- potentially forty million dollars either this year or heaven forbid in free agency giving a guy forty million dollars who hasn't proven that he can stay healthy in quite some time i I don't see Pritchard ever doing that quite frankly
1: well the the only tipping point I think would be he and Tyrese are very good friends. So I don't know how much sway yeah. that might have, but AFP uh, hey, wants to take a little pay cut, come here for the MLE maybe.
0: <laughs> probably like stretch. It, look, if if you're getting in for like two years, 70 million, if it's like right, a right, 35 right. million yeah. a year, which is like basically the, the upgraded Bruce Brown deal, if you're using every what? spare the, dollar you have to sign Paul George, then I am in. It's two years. The, the it's two
1: years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But if it's more than that, if it's you know the the full four year four year this is my last big payday type deal, absolutely not. No, 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 no. Please, no. We're we're building something too important to sign a guy at the end of his career. We should be targeting OG Ananobi twenty five times before we target Paul George once at that money. If you pay, if I had a choice of who to pay forty million dollars a year. Uh, next year too, between Paul George and OG Ananobi, and it was Paul George two years, OG four, little more line ball at that point. But if it was four years versus four years, I'm taking OG every time because he doesn't often miss games. I, I feel like the uh, one of my favorite new uh, sentences in uh, basketball vernacular is the best ability is availability. And Paul George has not been available for the last few years.
1: Uh, yeah, well, I guess no Pacer has been available since like 2017. So we know about yeah, that's that. That's true. That's true. Uh, the other thing is, though, selfishly, I have a lot of Paul George merchandise in the closet that's been gathering <laughs> yes. dust that I would love yes. to, to pull out again and be able to wear. So uh, uh, look, would I, be the I would ever.
0: be the, the romantic Pacer fan in me would be utterly thrilled to have Paul George back on this squad. I would buy a jersey, I would try and fly over for games next season if Paul George signed to this team. I'm going to try anyway, but I'd be a little more motivated if one of my favorite paces of all time happened to come back to the squad, let me put it that way. Um, yeah, I, I I just I can't see it happening unless it is a really good situation for Indiana and a really low-risk transaction for them to make. Um Paul George would have to do essentially what LeBron has done over the last couple of years and just choose the paces for his next stop mm. um, in order for this to happen. Because, yeah, I, I just, he's making, you know, $45 million this season. Um, Does he have he another have year take, after
1: this on the, on the
0: deal? He, I think he's got a player option uh, mm. on his deal after this, which, you know, he, he could decline and become a free agent, um, but he's not going to get. 40 odd million dollars uh from the Pacers you have got a $48 million player option i dare say he's probably going to take that up rather than take 35 uh next year from the Pacers over two you know 70 over two seasons that's not happening um the the only other thing i would say is if you can trade that expiring or next year what will be an expiring deal for Bruce Brown and other stuff that doesn't compromise your depth too much um, and it's like just for next season and then he's a free agent. Sure. I'm okay with that too because it provides you with a bit of flexibility longer term in terms of you know 48 million coming off the books the following season. So if you were to trade Bruce Brown, TJ McConnell, both you, this year's draft picks and whatever other salary you had to trade to get it back up to that level, then sure absolutely. But the Clippers won't do that deal. They're talking about a you know an all-star, caliber player and as uh, much as I like Bruce Brown and two first round picks, that probably doesn't get you that guy anymore. Although, you know, you could argue that it's it's almost as good as what, you know, the uh, Paul and Lillard in the end.
1: Well, yeah, they had a, a long debate with Miami and I don't know how much that factored into that one, but I think the other thing is uh, you know, we have to root for the Clippers downfall regardless. Yeah. Because we own their pick. So We do. Um yeah, it, it will so be they have a a terrible year.
0: Wait, let's let's talk about that pick for a second, because I think it's OKC, it's Houston, it's yep. the Clippers and it's I think. No, it's um, somewhat worse than that. Um is it? it's it's four it's four teams that we own that it's the worst of all of those picks. And I just kind of look at it and think the Clippers have started really, really badly. Um, and you look at the Thunder; they're not going all that well. They're, they're not going anywhere as near, near as good as uh, it's Utah, by the way. It's it's the Clippers, uh, OKC, yeah. Utah, and Houston. Utah not in a great position. Um, no. Houston they look probably the best of all four of those teams. Funnily enough, Houston and OKC
1: somehow look better than the Clippers. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. but both of those teams are super young and may just be in playing contention. So you still could be talking about a pick in the top half of the first round, quite honestly. Like you could be talking about pick 14 or pick 15 or something as part of that deal, Um, along with your own pick, which at the moment looks to be, you know, in the 20s, fingers crossed. Yeah. but you potentially have two middle-of-the-first-round draft picks and some contracts. Uh, The Clippers would have to really want to get rid of Paul George uh, to be able to do that, and they're not going to want to do that. We'd have to throw in another unprotected first down the line um, to try and replenish some of their draft capital. But, yeah, I I love the idea of him coming on a a low-risk deal, but I also and concerned about his age, his durability and his contract. It's, it's massive. Like you talk about Tyrese's extension. He's only going to be making 35 next year. And Paul George is going to be making close to 50. I mean, that's insane.
1: Uh, the league's changing as well, though. That's the other thing, isn't yeah. it? Uh, money. What did, I think I talked about this last episode, didn't I? But Jalen Brown's got like 60 mil. So these contracts are just yeah. not the same as they used to be. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Maybe 48 reunited. won't look
0: that bad by this yeah. time next season.
1: But I was also going to say, you know, he reunited with Miles. That would be pretty cool as well.
0: Yeah. Yep. Look, you've almost sold me, quite frankly. like <laughs> you've done a pretty good job. Let's have a look at the next week of games. So we have three games coming up over the next seven days. We have Orlando. So a couple of day break and we've got Orlando. Uh, in Orlando, we go home for a tournament game against Atlanta. And sorry, we go to Atlanta for a tournament game against Atlanta, and then we come back home for Toronto. So, um, Orlando playing reasonably well at this stage. We've got a long break of a, a four day break between the Philadelphia win and the Orlando game. So, the team will be hopefully healthy. Hopefully, that gives Jalen Smith enough time to recuperate. Then um, one day off, and then we go to Atlanta, and the Pacers could be the first team to clinch a spot in the knockout round of the NBA in season tournament. We we're laughing before the show, Alex. Um, yes, it would be the most Pacers thing ever to win the first in season tournament.
1: Hey, imagine the only banner we have up there, mate. Twenty twenty four in season tournament.
0: Hang the banner. <laughs> Hang the banner. I, I'm. I'm. I. I look. I it's a good payday as
1: well for the guys. So.
0: As as they say in the classics, a win's a win. Uh, I think we, we need to we need a win on the board. We need a you know need a trophy. We need a banner. Like let's let's go. I'm all in. Win the in season tournament absolutely because it's it's more than we hope for um, this season. So we have Orlando at in the tournament, and then Toronto at home, uh, where I'm sure there'll be a prolonged Tyrese Halliburton OG Ananobi conversation with their hands over their mouths. To either start or end the game, um, what's your over/under on the number of seconds they talk in the middle of the court with their hands over their mouths? Alex, is it if like even, eight?
1: If, if if they cross past, Pacers Twitter is going to screenshot it instantly. <laughs> I'm already ready.
0: <laughs> that video has been circulated more times than I care to care to count. <laughs> I I think this started with LeBron putting his hand over his face while he was talking to someone, and now. It's just morphed into anytime someone puts their hand over their mouth, yeah. they're clearly asking, not demanding a trade to that <laughs> particular team with that superstar. Like, can you please make this happen? Bring me to Indy. Um, yeah, look, I, I think this is a really good opportunity for this team to consolidate its record. Um, if you look at the next five games, Orlando, Atlanta, Toronto, Detroit, Portland, we should be aiming, aiming to win four of those, in my view. Yep. I, I think um you the the tough one's going to be in Atlanta um although Orlando are playing quite well but you know Toronto are up and down Detroit aren't good and Portland are not good either so and they're at home so you have to look at those games as if you're a good team good teams beat bad teams
1: yeah and that was really the impressive bounce back from the Hornets loss was they destroyed the Spurs yeah and then they beat, blew out the Jazz as well so yep. yeah to, to be a team that wants to make the top six, you're right. They, they have to win these games.
0: Yeah. And, you know, they've, they haven't they have played many games on the road yet. They've only played four games on the road out of their 11, but they have won two of those. They did win against Cleveland early and then they beat Philadelphia in Philadelphia. So um, the naysayers will probably look at the homestand and say that they've had a really favorable schedule and they have, but you can only beat who's in front of you. And this team has done that so far. They're seven and four. So they should be, we're saying they should be aiming to be 11-5 and after 16 games, which would be one hell of a record um, and would allow them to continue sort of vaulting up the standings. Uh, We will come to you just after the Toronto game at this stage, ready for the Detroit and Portland games. We're hoping for at least two wins out of three. We're hoping to be able to celebrate, get the champagne out and clinch the in-season tournament, uh, (laughs) playoff berth. Alex has already got his flights ready to Las Vegas to see the action and celebrate with the team afterwards. Uh, But we will be celebrating that on the next episode of The Paceroos. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again next time.